from South Bend, Indiana, in the shadows of the Golden Dome, Spoke Street Media and Redeemer Radio Sports bring you Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. You already share their values, why not share in their benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. It's time to get you caught up on all things Irish. Here's John Brock and Angelo DiCarlo. Imagine before the season I told you Notre Dame would be entering the third game of the year, still in search of Marcus Freeman's first win as the Irish head coach. You would have said I should have been fired for having no clue what I was talking about. Now, I didn't say that because I didn't think that, nor did really anyone else. But here the Irish are at 0-2 to start 2022. A close loss to Ohio State two weeks ago. And, man, all those good feelings about this year's squad just blowing up. And, of course, came the disastrous loss at home to Marshall last Saturday. And quarterback Tyler Buckner now out for the season with a shoulder injury. Welcome to Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Notre Dame FCU, where you bank does matter on Module DiCarlo. So glad to be with you this morning. Joined, as always, by John Brock. John, a week now removed from Notre Dame's loss to Marshall. Have you uh, wrapped your head around what in the world is happening? Well, logically, I think I have. Clearly, the the run and block on offensive side of the ball hasn't caught up for Notre Dame. For some reason, the defense didn't show up last week. And when you take that at face value, of course they lost. Their defense was their strong point. But at the same point, at the same time, I'm like, how does such a powerful defense with returning starters and great playmakers not show up for a team like Notre Dame? Now, uh, I don't know if they didn't show up, but they didn't show up when it counted most, right? Yeah. The fourth quarter, that big drive, and in particular, that third and eight, at the eight, third and nine at the eight-yard line, you have them pinned back, opportunity to make them punt, and then maybe put the game away, and all of a sudden they convert the first down, and they go the length of the field for the touchdown, and that's what happened against Ohio State uh, as well in terms of the fourth-quarter issues. So you're right. They haven't shown up for a full four quarters by any means, and especially that defensive line. That's That's been troublesome. But here's the funny part. we're I feel like in a way if the – offense is any in any way um competent at this point we're not thinking about the defense in any way but the offense is so so far behind that you're like well the defense has to pick us up because that's how bad the offense has been that any mistake from the defense costs you well and that's the thing when you're looking at Notre Dame as a top five team coming into the season (laughs) top five teams they're scoring 40, 50, 60 points against Marshall and and running away with it, their defense has often let up 20 or so points. So it, you can't fully blame it on the defense, but I think it's just that Notre Dame has been heavily relying on that defense and, and looking at them. And they're giving up Marshall consistent yards somewhat throughout the game and then especially in that fourth quarter. All right, on tap on this morning's show, our featured interview is with former Irish captain Capron Lewis-Moore. He talks about Notre Dame's start, his belief in Tommy Reese as the offensive coordinator. That's one of his former teammates. And another one of his former teammates, Manti Teo, returning to Notre Dame today. Manti going to walk with the team to the stadium. More details next segment on that. We'll, of course, break down the matchup with Cal today who has a very good defense. So another issue for the Irish, and we'll hear from the new quarterback of the Irish, Drew Pine, who takes over for the injured Tyler Buckner. We'll also hear from the Irish players and the leadership qualities that Pine brings. But let's start with where this program kind of stands right now, John. Marcus Freeman, 0-3 as the head coach, if you count the bowl game, that, you know, he was barely a part of the planning. But it seems like the same mistakes are happening, at least in the second half. Now, you would take the offense from that bowl game, of course, because that that's not there right now. But Tommy Reese struggling as the play caller, I think, to say it lightly, uh, it's just it's just things you didn't necessarily expect at this point. It's unexpected and it's confusing. And whether you count Marcus Freeman as 0 and three or 0 and two, it's a game of wins and losses, and he doesn't have any of the wins yet. So that's a, a big knock. And I think it's something in practice going from Ohio State to a Marshall. The, the coaching wasn't quite there, keeping that energy up. And then, of course, for Tommy Reese, he's trying – it seems like he's trying to force that offense to be something it's not with that offensive line not clicking like I think he expected it to. So I think that's where the play-calling issue really had been. And if he can just recognize what he has now, especially with the new quarterback in there, he might be able to, to pick things up over there because he is a great offensive mind. And it is kind of, again, uh, unexpected and confusing that he hasn't been 
making the right calls. Yeah, you mentioned that offensive line, man. Oh, uh, yeah. wow. All right, we're going to talk about that. Here's uh, But here's head coach Marcus Freeman and offense coordinator Tommy Reese. We all have to look at ourselves, starting with the head coach on down, and say, okay, what do I have to do? Um, what do we have to do to fix the issues that we're having? And, and not just focus on the end result. We have to look at the lack of executions in, in all phases. As you assess this, I mean, you're an inexperienced head coach. What, what role do you think that that has played in this? I don't know if it's my experience as head coach, and I don't know if that's a, a reason why or a lack of execution. And, and but it's it starts with me, right? It starts with me as the head coach and looking at myself and saying, what do I have to do to help this football team? And, and really look at everything we're doing because the performance isn't where we need it to be. Are you surprised by the lack of success you guys have had on offense uh, in the first two games? Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, you'd hope you have a vision and you go out to execute and plan better, but look, it all starts with me. Um, you know, I got to be better. I got to give our guys a better opportunity to succeed. I got to do more to make sure that everybody knows what's expected and what we're trying to accomplish. Um, you know, you're around this game long enough. I don't think surprise is the right word, but you know, we're extremely driven to make sure that we fix it. There you go. Marcus Freeman and Tommy Ruiz both saying it's on them, which it's good that they say those things, but now it's the how do you fix the problem is the big question. You know, Marcus Freeman talked about the why are we having these issues, and we have to identify the why. Uh, not point. I think he, in various forums throughout the week, he kind of said, "Okay, why do we have the issue, and then how do we fix that issue?" You know. What does the coaching staff have to do to make sure to fix the issue? As opposed to looking at it and going, well, if he would have done this, we would have been okay here. He Freeman's saying, no, 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 we can't let it be a if he does this because he hasn't done this. So let's put it in a position to do something that will help us win. And he's trying to put it on the coaching staff. But, you know, the other part that's weird is then you get through the week, you start talking to everybody, and, and all of a sudden you – Sounds like they haven't really changed anything. Now, they could be, and they're not saying so, which is fine. That's a strategy maneuver, right? We'll see today. But, um, John, who is to blame right now in your eyes? <laughs> That's a tough question. I mean, uh, there's a, I, I don't think you can pinpoint it on one person when you look at uh, like a loss to Marshall like last week. Of course, the coaching staff, I mean, they have to take the blame when they stand up there. And, of course, they're the top of the ladder, so they do get a lot of the blame. And I think in this situation, you've got a team full of a lot of athletic players, who, a lot of whom performed last year very well. And so, of course, that also points back to the coaching staff. But at the same time, I mean, the offensive line is not performing at all. And uh, the defense has not been putting together four quarters and has been letting other teams, I mean, over 200 rushing yards from Marshall you can't let that happen. It's it, it blame can go all around. It, no, it can. I'm not saying it has to be an I, individual person. I'm That's responding. How, I can't yeah, tell yeah. you a, a team or a group that they're individual person. But I will. You know, I'm a big believer in Tommy Reese and what he can achieve. But I don't understand why Chris Tyree has nine carries in two games and his first carry against Marshall came with six seconds left in the first half on a basically we might as well just take a knee play and I don't get it and I asked him this week and I asked him I asked Freeman and all of them say yeah he's a playmaker we're getting a ball in his hands all right well that goes back to Freeman's question well why haven't you yeah. like how and and that could be that could have been Tyler Buckner making certain audibles or check downs or checks you well, know better than me it couldn't a... have been him making checks because no matter what checks he's making the, the running back's not running off the field it's the same running back either well way. he's on the field sometimes he yeah. ended up yeah, getting more snaps he got more snaps I think than both Estime and Diggs that's he's true. just not getting them the ball that's true and and I think obviously you're, you're wondering why someone like that who has proven to be a playmaker is not on the field I think it goes back to Tommy Reese trying to force his offense to be a running team with digs and estimate in there forcing the ball up the middle getting four or five yards a carry and it's just not happening and so I think he was trying to do that Tyree's not that big runner up the middle and so hopefully Tommy Reese realizes he can't do can't do that this season 
and puts Tyree in there, he can work to the outside. He's a much more athletic runner. Well, now he's got to make decisions on what he's going to do with the run game because you don't have Tyler Buckner, who's out, and he's been the only effective player uh, running the football. And, of course, he gets hurt because in the final two minutes of the game when, you know, he shouldn't have to be running the football. Yeah. But you're you're down against Marshall, and all of a sudden he's, he's running the football it, down by 10 points, mind you, at that point, or uh, – you know, whatever it was, it was double digits. It was more than one possession at that point. And it's unbelievable. They're down 11. It was 26-15 when he got hurt. And it's just, it's it's incredible. So, look, there was a lot of frustration from the players, certainly. Uh, here's tight end and captain Michael Mayer, defensive lineman Howard Cross, and linebacker and captain Bo Bauer on the team clearly being upset about starting 0-2 and losing to Marshall. You really can't kind of sulk in these losses. I mean, we're own to yes it's horrible of course it's horrible um but we're just going to prepare for the the next team um try to execute the best we can execute and uh just keep playing the season what would any team be they would be down the dumps like what are we going to do but this is how great teams are made they pick up pick up the pieces and put it back together you can't the whole thing freeman told us despite anything that happened was you guys got to stay together stay together because obviously it's our name everybody's going to say something because we lost to it's an upset. It happens. But we got to get our stuff together. Everybody needs from coaches to starters to scout linemen. Everybody needs to get their stuff together. We got to move on and fix this because we can. We know we can. We can be a great team. It's probably one of the hardest things I've ever had to do in my life is to walk around the locker room and look these guys in the eye who've given me the greatest, you know, the greatest gift, the greatest trust in my life to be a captain and to lead these guys. Um, so every day it's super hard, but that's also motivating. Like I'm not walking around with my head down. It's like we're finding a better way to do this thing. Like just because we took two stumbles doesn't mean we're going to not get up and finish this season the right way. And I'm willing to find a better way, whatever that may be, and do whatever it takes to get us head in the right direction. That was Bo Bauer there at the end. Remember, here's a guy who decided to come back for for next year. Michael Mayer in the beginning, uh, you know, was supposed to be an All-American tight end. He's playing well. In terms of catching the football, maybe he's blocking. Every no one's blocking the ball, blocking on offense. And then Howard Cross in the middle, part of that defensive line, trying to find themselves still here as well. Um, you know, obviously a lot of frustrations. Uh, you know, I saw Jar Jarrett Patterson uh, at the end of the game, literally grab his helmet and crush it into the ground to the point that I heard it from the opposite side of the field at the end of the game. That's how loud of a thud it made. Then he tried to walk. He took off his pads and was running, ready to go up the tunnel. So frustrated. Didn't want to be a part of the alma mater. You know, I, I post this on, on social media, and, you know, people quick to criticize. Patterson say he's he's not – that's not a good representative of a captain. He should be gathering troops. Look, guys, let's, let's, let's be real here right now. Jared Patterson – Many thought should have went to the NFL. He chose to come back to lead this team. He thought he believed in this Marcus Freeman start, thought Notre Dame could do something special. He could be a part of that. He gave up a lot of guaranteed money. He was going to be like a third round pick or so. They move him to guard instead of playing center. He's hurt again. They're 0-2. Who knows if this is affecting his draft stock now moving forward because he's had a bunch of extra injuries. So... Yeah, he's frustrated. And I'll tell you what, I'm not a hypocrite. When I get frustrated, I want to yell to the moon. You've seen it. <laughs> I, I, now, I usually don't do it in front of 80,000 people, right? It's, uh, that's the luxury I have that I'm not in a, as high-profile position. So I don't blame Patter Patterson for being frustrated. Hopefully, this week, he was able to channel that frustration in a positive way. I think that's you want to see emotion out of your captain, especially a guy like that coming back. You need to have that emotion. I was listening to those interviews, and Mayer and Cross, I don't know that I felt too much of that emotion. They say, like, oh, of course we feel bad about the loss. Uh, what would any f team feel like? They didn't really convey a high level of emotion about. Now, it. They to be fair, that off. was that was post game, right after of the game. Course. So that could be depression setting yeah. in right there. And yeah. then and then Bauer was Tuesday, a little bit more removed to give a yeah. timeline on when those interviews took place. But I'm saying Patterson Bauer, post game slamming his yeah, helmet, yeah. upset. These guys not so much. But you felt the pat. Pa 
you felt the passion from Bauer. You absolutely did from Bauer, and that's what you hope Patterson did with his emotion. It seems like Bauer did with his emotion, and you hope that conveys to the rest of the guys on the team because they need to channel that and start moving. They can't brush off this loss as, oh, we're a Notre Dame team. It happens sometimes. Let's move forward. They need to use that going forward or it might happen again. All right. Uh, Irish Sports Saturdays, partially underwritten by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union, serving the Notre Dame family for over 80 years. The Notre Dame FCU mobile app is like having a branch at your fingertips 24-7. You already share their values. Why not share in their benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Okay. So um, I'm actually going to bring this up as we're talking because I didn't get a chance to look at the final results. But our poll question last week was how many wins does Notre Dame end up with? Now, this was after a solid performance against you uh, against Ohio State, one that Notre Dame did not win. But for the most part, everyone was reacting rationally to it and, and feeling that it was a positive step. Last week, we had eight or less was only 7%. Nine wins, 23%. Ten wins, 39%. Eleven wins, 31%. That meant they were going to win out. Obviously, 11 wins is now impossible in the regular season. So last week, 70% or 70% said 10 wins or more. This week, let's update it for you. Seven or less wins, 44%. Eight wins, 35%. Nine wins, 15%. Only 6% now believe Notre Dame would win out the rest of the season. 79% say eight wins or less. Last week, 70% said 10 wins or more. That, my friends, is a massive shift. And that's what happens when you lose to Marshall and you're 0-2. All of a sudden, all the but, 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 they'll be okay changes to woo, woo. And uh, are you adjusting your win total now for the year? <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know if you're gonna keep asking me this every week. We it's, might. It's it might be the poll. It might be poll question every single week. Who knows? It, it's detrimental to my mental health coming in here <laughs> thinking about. Well, how am I gonna answer on just uh, how many wins? I originally said nine and three in the first episode this season. Yeah. Ohio State made me doubt that maybe it'd be better, but I think they still could pull off nine and three if they channel their emotion. If the offensive line gets something going, they don't have to be what they were expected to be. But if they get things falling into place. I think they could win against a BYU, uh, a USC, or a Clemson. Not all of them, but they could win against one. And here's a scary they, part: they, they can easily lose to all three of them, and suddenly you're looking at seven and five. And I think, I think, what likely will happen is a seven and five, eight and four scenario. But I think if they get the pieces to come together, and of course it's going to be even more difficult now with Tyler Buckner out, but. They could pull together a nine and three season. I think more likely eight and four. All right, let's and let us not say that they can't lose today against Cal because we basically dismissed that as a possibility against Marshall last week. I, I so, said there was a way for Marshall. Oh to get sure, the win. sure, we but, said it. But I, I'm going to point. We did dismiss. We're going to mention it every once in a while that certainly yes, they could also lose today to Cal because. Look, Cal's got a really good defense, and now you've got a new quarterback and you have an offensive line that you don't know what they're doing. You don't have a run game because Buckner was the main running back, and Buckner now out for the season with a high-grade AC sprain in his non-throwing shoulder. He had surgery on Tuesday. He's out to January. They won't be playing in January. Uh, was leading Notre Dame in rushing yards, although not that much, and have uh, he did have that devastating pick six to the point that – all right, Jupe, when – when Buckner left and Drew Pine came in, fans started cheering. Look, I don't think the majority of the fan base had any clue Buckner was injured. I think they just assumed Pine was coming into the game. So I'm going to cover for them. I, I don't think anyone at their name Stadium was cheering that Buckner got hurt. I think it was – I mean, maybe there was three Nimrods that were doing that. But for the most part, I think people were like, oh, Pine's coming in the game and not even realize that Buckner was hurt with the shoulder injury. Here's something that's interesting. And by the way, Pine did not look that good. No. When he was in there, threw an interception. He looked kind of deer in the headlights when he went in the game. No question he looked deer in the headlights. And uh, he's never started a game. People kind of feel like Pine has played a lot. He's had 90 career snaps. 90 career snaps. That is less than Tyler Buckner had entering the season. Buckner got more snaps last year playing his little package 
than Pine had because really all Pine did was the Wisconsin second half. Outside of that, and a little bit against Cincinnati, did not play again another snap after that, and so he didn't have he doesn't he hasn't played that much. Well, and I think people look back to that Wisconsin game and they're, oh Drew Pine's great he yeah. he should be the next quarterback and I mean only some of us were privileged to be able to see some practices in the off season and and you you don't see that Wisconsin Drew Pine on every play in practice and on every I mean. He's Buckner earned the spot. I don't think there's any doubt in someone in the program or someone who's close to the program that Buckner earned that starting spot, and I don't think the fans realize that because they only got a little glimpse of Drew Pine. He's not a bad quarterback. No question he's not a bad quarterback, but he, he's definitely not quite what Tyler Buckner was performing for the Irish. All right, first thing people say about Drew Pine is leadership. We asked him why that is. Here's Pine on Pine. Ever since I've gotten here, you know, I've always prepared as hard as I can. And I think that, you know, the team sees that and the guys see that. Um, and I think another thing, too, is, you know, I'm not here for, you know, personal accolades or stats or, or anything. I'm here to help do whatever I team or whatever I can to help my team win. And, you know, I think the, the guys know that. And I think the guys know that, you know, I truly play for them. And, like, I'm right now, you know, I'm playing for, you know, J-Pad, who's it's his last year, Bo Bauer, AD, you know, guys like that. You know, that that's that's the reason that I take this so serious is because, you know, quarterback's a very important position. And, you know, if I don't take it serious, then, you know, what am I doing? So I, I'm I'm doing this to be able to, you know, I'm playing for all those guys on the team that have taken me, take me in for since, ever since I got here. All right, that's Drew Pine talking about uh, leadership. And the, I asked – uh, we asked some of the players, and when I asked Isaiah Foskey, I, I said, he's not a captain, but the first word that comes to mind, and Foskey finishes my sentence and says leader, and and then goes on and, and answers the question. So here's Isaiah Foskey and Josh Lug on why Pine is such a good leader. He has a great choice of words and bringing everyone together. But Everyone pretty much loves Drew. Pretty much everyone loves Drew on defense and offense, and he's just a person that brings everyone together. Yeah, Drew Pine is a man of unbelievable character. Um, you know, last two years competed for that starting job, and you never once ever saw him hang his head. He was on film. <laughs> You'll be watching on film, and Buckner, or last year, Jack Cohen, would make a play downfield. And behind, usually like we're all out of the camera, like if we're not in the game or on the field, and the first person you'd see coming the screen running downfield like this is Drew Pine going nuts because the best best man in his room just made an unbelievable play, and he's celebrating that, and like that is infectious for our team. That's the culture that we need. Uh, and to have a guy like Drew Pine in our locker room, like it, he is Notre Dame, and he is the golden standard for us. So I'm excited to block for him and his opportunity. And Drew Pine is a diehard Notre Dame fan. He wears number 10 because he grew up cheering for Brady Quinn. So that's why he wears number 10. So he believes he, he has the passion for it. And maybe that's what they need right now. I'm not taking anything away from Tyler Buckner, but Drew Pine exudes the the leadership qualities. And, John, you're a former high school quarterback. You know the position is execution, certainly, on game day. It's also about rallying the troops and getting your guys to believe. From what I just heard, it sounds like you're going to get maybe that little extra you need from from everybody on the team because Drew Prime brings that out of them on the field. I hate how much we're on the same page here because I <laughs> wrote down during that clip a step one, leadership, step two, execution. And uh, he definitely, it sounds like you have a guy who says, I'm excited to go block for him. That's what you need. And they need a change like that. But it is... Pine going to know exactly what to do and when to, he didn't look like he did stepping in and as a backup you should know and be able to step in the game at any moment he wasn't prepared deer in the headlights didn't know where things were going and I, that's what led to an interception which is fascinating by the way because his own the big thing he prides himself on is constantly being ready it doesn't change now that's what everyone says but he'll have an advantage here being able to be the guy all week to prepare, getting those number one snaps in practice, right? Having that opportunity. And I think you're right. You, you felt it at Josh Lug that, hey, we're going to block for this guy. We want him to succeed. And I'm not saying they didn't want to block for Tyler Buckner, but were they more afraid of Harry Heastan yelling at them last week? And then this week, they're more like, we got to go do this for Drew. That's a mindset that changes that could lead to better results. They're they're thinking in a positive rather than in a negative. 
and it could be huge. I mean, the mindset is is more the battle on the offensive line than anywhere else because it is just a game of pushing and pushing the guy across from you. But now it was Tyler Buckner was performing well on that offense. The offensive line wasn't. The concern I'd have now is, is the offensive line going to start pushing well and the quarterback can't get things together? Yeah, I don't know. And, and here's the thing. Let's let's look at the the polar opposites. You got Tyler Buckner can run the ball, can make up for the offensive line not blocking. Last year you had Jack Cohn who couldn't do anything in the run game, right? Pine's kind of in the middle. Uh, he can do. A, he's he's mobile. He's not like a statue like yeah. Cohn, but he's not going to run the ball and run a four five forty like Tyler Buckner. So that's going to change things, and they got to get the run game going, and they're going to have to figure out some things because. This offense is going to change somewhat. Pine maybe has an even bigger playbook than than Buckner, so maybe that helps out. But you know what we haven't mentioned? The wide receivers. It's still a factor here. Yeah. And they still don't have the playmakers out there other than a couple of guys. And that's still a factor. And who knows if we get to see a guy like Tobias May- Merriweather at some point or not. Sounds like he's not ready. But at this point, what does it matter? Just draw it up in the sand. That's what they did with Golden Tate his first year. They literally were drawing up plays at Purdue yeah. like like it was backyard football. Here, you run this way. Go yeah. 10 steps, turn right, we're throwing the ball to you. Yeah. And they got it to him one way or another. And that Because he was a converted running back, and they were just like, go. Um, all right, we got to go to commercial. You got one last thought? Go ahead. Well, yeah, I was going to say that the wide receivers is a big question. A couple of drop passes over the top this past week against Marshall. And so even the guys you think you can rely on, you don't know now. Yeah, one of those at the end of the half, though, Buckner could have hit Braden Lindsay, and that was a bad throw. Yeah. He just he just, he overthrew him, and that wasn't on Lindsay on that one. But you're right. They got to make some catches, too. All right, coming up, I chat with 2012 Notre Dame football captain Capron Lewis-Moore. He weighs in on Tommy Reese, the start of the season, and Manti Teo returning to campus today. Plus, Notre Dame has yet to force a turnover this season. We'll hear from Al Golden on that next. Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays is back right after this. Listen to Redeemer Radio share September 20th through 23rd. Be inspired by stories of how our local Catholic radio station is impacting the faith lives of people across our diocese. Then become a part of that mission by lending your support. We strive to create daily encounters with Christ. Help us respond to this call and support Redeemer Radio share Tuesday, September 20th through Friday, September 23rd. Support for Irish Sports Saturdays comes from Tyrac. Tyrac also underwrites our internship program with students from our two Michiana Catholic High Schools, St. Joseph and Marion. The students receive practical college-level internship experience and class credit as they help out with our broadcast of high school football and basketball. More tires, great prices, Tyrac.com. Angelo DiCarlo, John Brock back with you here as we get you set for Notre Dame and Cal. A 2.30 Eastern kickoff at Notre Dame Stadium. The Irish, of course, 0-2 on the season. And we've talked a lot about the offense. We've talked a lot about the defense. One of the reasons the defense has not maybe helped the offense is turnovers. Uh, not a single turnover forced by Notre Dame's defense so far this year. The Irish are minus three in turnover margin so far. Last year, they were a plus nine, John. That, my friends, is a huge shift. Currently, they're averaging minus one and a half a game. Last year, they're averaging just under plus one. That's that's a big difference. Well, you can't rely on your defense to get those turnovers before you. But you, especially with a defense like Notre Dame, you got to expect that they are able to get a couple of turnovers and then another flip on the offense. They're, they're giving up more turnovers, especially with just a really poor performance against Marshall. Here's defensive coordinator Al Golden and linebacker and captain Bo Bauer on Notre Dame's lack of forced turnovers so far this year. No, it, it has been. So we're disappointed in that. Um, sometimes when it doesn't go your way in terms of the takeaways, you just got to look at yourself and look at the messaging and what you need to do better as a coach. So we're re- repackaging some of that, looking at it from a different lens, quality controlling ourselves. And, uh, you know, but the, the emphasis has been there in uh, in. Uh, it, you know, we got to bring it to fruition, you know, and uh, in my experiences, you know, when uh, when this type of drought, if you will, occurs, you know, sometimes they can come in bunches. And that's what I'm hopeful for, that our, our guys have that mindset that when it comes, it's going to come in bunches and we're going to keep attacking it. And it's going back to being intentional again, you know, intentional with making sure our execution is on point. But we have to attack the ball like it's not like coach 
isn't teaching us the, the correct techniques. It's just we have to see the ball. We have to act the right ways. We have to you know, be in the right position. And sometimes it's what you're saying. It's circumstantial. We're not there. It doesn't go our way. But you know, two games, no takeovers. Now it's starting to be like we have to take you know, ownership for that. All right, that's Al Golden, defense coordinator, and then Bo Bauer. I think that makes sense. It's it's like one of those, yeah, it hasn't happened. It's going to happen. And now it's like, okay, we got to make it happen. We got to get aggressive. We got to make stuff happen. Now, that could lead to more mistakes. You know, you all of a sudden try to get a pick six or something like that, and all of a sudden it goes for a 40-yard play the other way because you got too aggressive. But they got to they got to help the, the offense out here a little bit. Well, they have to get aggressive. And I think of course you got to look at it and you got to be like this team has a lot of talent on defense. They've got to play good fundamental defense, get things back in line, but at the same time they've got to be aggressive, especially against this Cal team and going forward they have to be uh, the defense that we expected with a little bit of anger getting into the backfield. All right, uh, a couple news and notes for today. The Irish will wear green today with names on the back of the jerseys. The names will be in white, the numbers will be in blue. I don't know why they didn't just put the numbers in white as well. They look pretty sharp. I think it's kind of cool that they're putting the names on the jerseys. I'm sure there's going to be plenty of people out there listening that want to scream at me for you know ruining the sanctity of the Notre Dame uniform. It's one game. And I'm okay. There's There are jerseys they wear that I think are hideous. I don't think this one's hideous. This one's probably one of the better ones. I just think they should have put the numbers in white. Uh, I don't know. I like the numbers in blue. Okay. I don't think you can put the name in blue because it would be impossible to read. But I think the blue with well, gold trim. And fine. The Maybe it's the broadcaster in me that you should be able to easily read the number. And if you can't read the name in blue, then it's going to be harder to read the, the number in blue also. But yeah, that's the, just me. The blue and green, they do it in all their sports now, that, that yeah. colored combination i think it looks great all right well there you go so we got we finally disagreed we finally disagreed on something and you know what i'm sure the players are happy about the way it is and yeah, that that absolutely. does matter you know that does make a difference okay marcus freeman now catholic saint Pius the 10th in nearby grandeur made the announcement last weekend that notre dame head coach has been confirmed into the catholic church he did his preparation with notre dame football team chaplain father nate wills he was received into the faith in a mass celebrated by Notre Dame President Father John Jenkins, St. Pius Pastor Father Bill Schooler, along with Father Nate Wills and Father Brian Ching. Marcus made a profession of faith, was confirmed and received his first Holy Communion. Freeman's wife, Joanna, and their six kids are already Catholic. Coach Freeman was confirmed earlier this month, and I imagine pregame mass may be extra special now for Coach Freeman. I'm sure it will be, and I uh, I actually came up at St. Pius and Father Bill Schooler led me through my First Communion and Confirmation, and he's the perfect person to do it, especially he's a sports-driven guy, so I'm sure. He's a big Notre Dame fan, I'm too. sure they had a, a great time doing that, and so uh, just happy happy for Marcus Freeman and happy for uh, him now leading this team as a, a good Catholic man. Uh, yeah, very exciting news for him, and I know uh, everyone, it's a reminder, extra prayers you could say for Marcus Freeman, both yes. for his faith and, <laughs> and for football as well. Now, uh, we mentioned they, they, they brought back pregame mass last week. Then the walk starts. They're now calling it the victory march from uh, the Basilica to the stadium. They have a little pit stop to say a few words at the library. And Manti Teo will be a part of that today as he returns to Notre Dame. This is not his first return. I remember a couple of years ago he was back. I think this might just be his second, though, for a football game. But I do remember a couple of weeks ago he was back. But this is the first time he's coming back since, obviously, that Netflix documentary. And I'm expecting just everyone giving him a warm embrace. I think, I think probably, as we kind of saw from that documentary, for the last 10 years – People just didn't know how to talk to Manti when they saw him because they maybe felt it was awkward based on what happened previously. And I think it's great that now we can, like, here's what happened and let's move on. It was 10 years ago. He hopefully has now got closure that he needs, and um, and it's going to be great. I think he's going to get a massive ovation when he's introduced inside the stadium as well. Yeah, I think that documentary was fantastic for Manti in terms of clearing the air. I think when he left, obviously it was the right at the end of his tenure at Notre Dame, and it kind of made things a little rocky, obviously. And so I think it's great he's coming back. I think it'll be a warm reception. I expect that uh, library quad at Notre Dame to be absolutely packed to see what he has to say about the Irish, especially going in to try and get their first win of the season. Yeah, I mean, it'll be quick. It'll only be yeah. like a minute because they got to continue on with the walk. But everyone but it, will be there for But everyone minute. will be there. So if, you want, if you're getting on campus now and you want to be there, the walk will begin roughly around 12.10, just after 12, and then they'll, they'll proceed – 
and they'll get to the library, and Manti will grab the mic, say something to the fans real quick, and then they'll head to the stadium. So just want to make sure everyone knows that if you want to if you want to be a part of that. All right, now Manti was a captain on the 2012 Notre Dame team that played for the national title. One of the other two captains was defensive lineman Capron Lewis Moore. I had a chance to chat with Cap this week, one of my all-time favorite players to cover at Notre Dame. We discussed Manti's return, the start of it of this football season and another one of his teammates, Tommy Reese. Here's my conversation with former Irish captain, Capron Lewis Moore. All right, Cap, good to good to chat with you again. You were one of the I like to consider you a Notre Dame fan now. I know you you're a former <laughs> captain and player, but but you're a big fan. But you gotta of be one of the, you were one of the lucky fans that didn't have to watch the Marshall game because you were overseas for a wedding. What was your reaction yeah. when you realized they lost to Marshall. Uh, my initial reaction was, uh, <laughs> this is uh, this is going to be a different season than what we were expecting. No, but uh, obviously, you know, you don't want to. I wouldn't say lose to it. <clears throat> I mean, I guess we were we were ranked, and obviously, we were expected to win. And as a Notre Dame player and a fan, you you know, you expect to win the games you're expected to win, especially coming off of a. Uh, you know, playing a really good Ohio State game and playing them really well. That was uh, something that uh, I I don't know, maybe his fans maybe were maybe overthinking or something, but uh, yeah, it's definitely a little shocking. But, um, you know, at the same time, you know, I think, you know, we still believe in, you know, Coach Freeman. And I think uh, these guys have the resiliency to get this thing turned around. What are your impressions of Coach Freeman from – I know you haven't had a chance to meet him yet, but what, what have been your impressions in the offseason when Notre Dame decided to elevate him and just your reaction from afar uh, watching the things that he was doing? I mean, it was obviously positive, man. A lot of my uh, a lot of my friends and former players that, uh, that I play with have literally nothing but great things to say about Freeman. And one thing that I really want to get back to campus for personally is like, I've really heard that he's really embracing the uh, uh, the former players and really wants them to come back. And you know, I feel like in, I feel like there's sometimes you know you don't really get that kind of warm. We always had a warm welcome, but it never really had a somebody that's really like wants that to happen. And I love that uh, he's like you know, a guy that really wants to just help this team win. And uh, obviously, seeing the guys, uh, you know him being named head coach and seeing the guys like kind of celebrate. I mean, you know, I guess everybody's seen the whole viral video. Uh, you know, that's good to see. And, you, and that's what you want to see in a, uh, in your coach. You know, I don't think because of all that Notre Dame could have won the off season any more than they did. And then for it, oh, to, yeah. for it to start the way it has, I'm not sure it could be any worse. How much, how hard is that for, the players on the team, do you feel like? Like, you know, Brian Kelly's first season, you were on the team. You guys didn't start off well at all. But – I mean, it, honestly, we, we everybody remembers the Tulsa game, so – Right. <laughs> so, yeah. But you had a coaching change because Charlie got fired. That was a little different than taking over yeah. a program that had 50 wins in five in, in the last five years. Just, you know, what do you think – how difficult do you think it must be for the players right now to start this way when they had the the highest of expectations coming into this season? Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely difficult. But you know what I'm what I'm actually excited to see is how this team responds. You know, everybody wants to patch you when everything's going good, but how's everything? Uh, how are the you know how are we going to circle the wagons? And you know, nobody knows what's going on in that locker room per se. But, um, you know, you really want to count on the captains and the leaders to, uh, you know, kind of rally the troops and, you know, kind of block the naysayers out. And, you know, everybody's going to say something about Notre Dame, positive or negative. And unfortunately right now it's a lot of negative uh, off of these two losses. So, you know, I really want to see how this team responds and, and how, uh, you know, how we're going to finish the season. You talked about your former former teammates, former players. One of those guys, obviously, Tommy Reese, offense coordinator. Offense struggling right now. So many people are now jumping on, well, Tommy, Tommy this, Tommy that. And the negatives aren't just against the players. It's obviously against the coaches. You know, as someone who, who played with Tommy Reese, can you shed some light into why you feel he is made for this position as an offense coordinator and, and the acumen that he has as a coach? I mean... I mean, straight up, he's a quarterback at Notre Dame. 
so uh, he he's been there. So Tommy knows what it uh, what it feels like to have people, you know, say stuff about him. And you know, he's one of those guys that he's going to take accountability. And at the same time, Tommy figures things out. Tommy's going to um, going to get this thing rolling. So I got nothing but the utmost confidence in, in, in Tommy. As an offensive coordinator, you know, a lot of eyes are, you know, getting pointed at you for, you know, maybe not scoring as many points or whatever. But at the same time, we're, we're just fans watching. We're not really in the trenches like that. So, obviously, you know, kind of the the kind of football player is coming out of me. You know, obviously, gotta, that's my guy. Now, one of your other former teammates, Manti Teo, is coming back to campus this weekend. Uh, you know, obviously they had the big documentary about him, the catfishing story. You know, you got a chance to watch it. You know, as someone who kind of was yeah. sort of right there for it, but obviously didn't know any of the details as they were unfolding. What was it yeah. like watching that documentary back? Honestly, when I was watching it, I didn't really realize how, like, elaborate the catfishing was. Like, it was a lot of, like, it was it was a it was a lot on you know the other end of it, and uh, I think it really shed the light on his side of the story. And uh, I'm I'm really glad that um, you know he got to tell his story and the world got to see it. And I think um, you know I think the people that the people that's really watched it, I think uh, they definitely they you know they definitely thought differently than what they thought ten years ago for sure. Yeah, and and Manti's been back. I at least one time, I remember seeing him at one game, and, and I think he got a warm embrace from everybody. But but you felt like there was still the, uh, you know, people. I don't want to say whispering behind his back, but still talking about it like this situation was strange. And now I feel yeah. like there's the closure on it. You know, uh, what do you? How good of a feeling will it be to see? I think Notre Dame fans are going to really embrace him this weekend. And oh, how, for for sure. How neat will that be to see? I think I think for sure they'll embrace him, especially uh, obviously after the documentary and seeing you know how you know well responded it was. Uh, I think I think he's just excited. I think he's you know if I said I'd be excited to get back and you know walk you know walk the walk to the grotto and you know go to the you know just gotta go back and be a student again a little bit. Uh, but I know he's probably excited to get back and. Uh, I think people are. I think people are going to just kind of give them, like you said, are going to give them a warm embrace, and and I think uh, now you're right with the closure. I think all that's going to be behind him, and now he can kind of move on with it. So definitely one of the best players. He's personally one of the best players I I've, I've ever played with in any level, and you know, and we definitely had fun times and won a lot of games in Notre Dame. So you know, I'm excited for him to be back with him and his family. And then finally, Cap, you kind of alluded to this earlier. What's your expectations now for the rest of the year and and how you feel this group can hopefully right the ship and turn things around? Yeah, we got to turn things around and circle the wagons. And, you know, right now, we, you know, I know our, um, you know, our starting quarterback's down for the season, but, you know, next man in. I remember that was Coach Kelly's uh, whole mantra. And can't be feeling sorry for ourselves. And, you know, now we got to go out and play every game. And, you know, let's uh, let's go win some games. Uh, yeah, like yeah, the Marshall was really bad. It was not a, it was a bad loss for sure. It was not good, but now you know we still have a lot more games to go, and we gotta, we gotta keep it rolling. All right, Cap, thank you very much. I appreciate you. Always great seeing you. Or talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> Capron Lewis, more former Irish captain, one of my all-time favorites, covering him. Just, just such a good dude. Living now out in D.C. Uh, in medical sales, John, uh, your quick thoughts on what Cap had to say. I just love uh, hearing what he had to say. One of the shows I co-hosted with you in the past, he was the guest, and he's always puts a good spin on things, has something nice to say, and I think Notre Dame fans need that right now. All right, Irish Sports Saturdays is partially underwritten by Indiana Physical Therapy, serving Indiana's physical therapy needs since 1988 with 21 locations. Indiana Physical Therapy continues as an independent therapist-owned company with a heart-towards-patient-focused care. Indiana Physical Therapy where people go to get better. Time for a break. When we return, it's our game day sprint to kickoff. Marcus Freeman breaks down Cal's defense, plus we give our predictions on what happens this afternoon. You're listening to Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays on Redeemer Radio and Iowa Catholic Radio. Do unto others as you would have others do unto you. The Golden Rule. 
you schedule a financial checkup with Notre Dame Federal Credit Union, our people will be helpful and honest and kind. They will look for ways to save you money, and when your checkup is complete, they will send $150 to Redeemer Radio. For more info, visit NotreDameFCU.com slash elevate. You already share our values. Why not share in our benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Support for Irish Sports Saturdays comes from Tony Letcher of Health Markets. Tony is a parishioner at Quinnipiac Catholic Church in Mishawaka and a licensed insurance agent. His services include Medicare, family, or individual health insurance or life insurance. His telephone number, 855-776-2438. His website is tletcher.com. Angel DiCarlo, John Brock back with you here for our game day sprint to kickoff as it's 2-0 Cal at 0-2 Notre Dame, fifth ever meeting between these two schools. Notre Dame leads the all-time series 4-0, last played in 1968. The Irish lost, of course, to Ohio State 21-10 in week one, then lost to Marshall 26-21 last week. Cal beat UC Davis 34-13, and then UNLV 20 to 14, so they haven't played anybody yet. Uh, Justin Wilcox 28 and 28 in his sixth season at Cal. Uh, let's listen in to Marcus Freeman give his thoughts on the Cal defense, which is a pretty darn good unit. You know, they're an aggressive unit. Um, you know, obviously the linebacker being the, the defensive coordinator's son, you know, he knows exactly what is you know, is expected, and, and I'm sure he's a quarterback of that defense. And so they're going to present a, a, a great challenge for our offense. And, um, I, again, I think the week of preparation has been good. Now, we still have 48 hours to continue to prepare. Um, but, you know, we know we have a uh, a very a tough challenge ahead of us with a, a really good defensive unit. All right, that's Marcus Freeman, the Notre Dame football coach on the Cal defense. Uh, we weren't able to get you at the beginning of that where he talked about uh, Rick Carrera, the big nose guard. He called him a house. Now, he's 6'4", 335 pounds. So that's a big boy. And that's who the offensive line's got to go up uh, up against, John. That's going to be a tough, tall order, to say the least. He's not the only big guy out there either. They've got two guys over 300. Their smallest guy uh, in the linebackers or the, the lineman, is 240 pounds and over six feet. I mean, they've got a lot of big guys, and with the Notre Dame offensive line that's been struggling, could really cause some problems. You know, there's a Cal defense that has forced three interceptions already this year. Uh, they've held six of their last eight opponents, if you go back to last year, to 14 points or less. So it's it's an interesting dynamic to be going up against when Notre Dame's offense has done so poorly. Especially with a new quarterback who did throw an interception. Of course, got thrown in last week, but threw an interception last week, and he's going to have to be scrambling throughout this week or has been scrambling throughout this week to catch up and get into his rhythm. So it'll be uh, an interesting one to see. All right, meanwhile then on the other – by the way, Freeman also mentioned Jackson Sermon, the linebacker, the son of the defense coordinator. He's got 17 tackles so far this year, including a TFL, so another guy to watch on the defense. Uh, switching sides of the ball, John mentioned the quarterback for Notre Dame, but the quarterback for Cal – Kind of familiar to playing at Notre Dame. He was a uh, transfer from Purdue, played against the Irish last year, got pulled in that game, so that's worthy of note. But so far this year, he's completing 69% of his passes, 51 of 74, 546 yards, four touchdowns, two interceptions, 273 yards per game. I think the biggest thing you see there is two interceptions. You're like, okay, can Notre Dame get one of those? That's one of the big things that they need to get is, is a turnover here today, I think. And what they're going to have to do is knock him out of his rhythm because if Plummer is able to get into his rhythm, he's a really good quarterback. So you really got to pressure him in the pocket, and maybe you can force some interceptions and get him out of, off of his game. The running back is Jaden Ott, 24 carries, 156 yards, so 78 yards per game. Two wide receivers that have made some catches this year, Jeremiah Hunter, 11 catches, 157 yards. Jay Michael Sturvion, I'm sure I got that wrong, 10 catches, 104 yards. So... Look, their their strength is not the offense. The strength is the defense, and that's going to be the bottom line here today. Can Notre Dame get it done uh, when they're facing a strong defensive unit? What do you want to see from the Irish here today, John? you got to see that defensive dominance. I mean, you can't let Plummer start throwing the ball downfield because he can, and he can make big plays off of that and get them ahead. And uh, you got to shut down the run game as well. So they, they really need that defense to pick it back up, and then you got to hope Pine can get his head in the game and lead this offense to get some points on the board. I, I want to see something similar. I want to see a turnover from the defense. they yeah. got to give Pine and the offense some positive momentum. You can get a turnover in the first quarter, set Notre Dame up for success, and then Tommy Reese has got to be ready to get whatever 
good play call you got and get that touchdown after the turnover because they can't settle for a field goal after forcing a turnover. They need seven points and get some momentum. And they need good field position there. It was iffy in the first game. Not so bad against Marshall, but they need special teams to get them good field position. All right. Uh, what what do you? How do you see this one playing out? What's your prediction? I don't see it out of the question that Cal can come out early and strike and the offense can get going and the defense can shut down this Notre Dame offense. I don't think that's how it's going to play out. I think – Notre Dame defense will actually show up this week, and they'll hold Cal down. I think it's going to end up 24-13. Ha! Uh, you asked me if uh, I was predicting 38-7 to because it was on the sheet. <laughs> I am not. That was what I predicted last week against Marshall. So maybe I should go with 38-7 because obviously I was way off last week. Um, I... I am right there with you. I have 23-13. So we have pretty much the same prediction, which means it's not going to happen. No, no um, it's not no, going to happen now. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not going to happen. So obviously that's a that's a little bit of a problem in that regard. But I do think uh, I think it's going to be a worrisome game for a while. We said Marshall was going to maybe felt like Ball State and ultimately lost. This may feel like that Vanderbilt game, which was right after that yeah. Notre Dame had a pull-off at the last second as well. All right. That will do it for Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Notre Dame FCU, where Bank does matter. Thanks to our audio operator today, Zach Smith. For John Brock, I'm Angel DiCarlo. Notre Dame and Cal, a 2.30 p.m. Eastern kickoff on NBC. And we'll, of course, be back with you next Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Central here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. We close our show the same way the Irish close their show in prayer. Hi, this is Father Nate Wills. I'm a Holy Cross priest, a faculty member at Notre Dame's Alliance for Catholic Education, and one of the chaplains to the Notre Dame football team. This is a prayer that the players pray together at the end of our pregame Mass. Let us pray. Grant, we beseech you, O Lord our God, that we may enjoy continual health of mind and body, and by the glorious intercession of Mary Our Lady, May we accept the joys and trials of this life and someday enter into eternal happiness. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Go Irish! This has been a presentation of Spoke Street Media and Redeemer Radio Sports. Thanks for joining us for Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. You already share their values. Why not share in their benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Enjoy today's game. We know you like football. So do we. We're TireRack.com, and this is our version of a two-minute drill, except it's only 30 seconds. TireRack.com has an enormous selection of tires. Not sure which ones to buy? Use our tire decision guide to find the right tires for your vehicle and the way you drive. Then get them shipped fast and free on all orders over $50. Shipping is in as little as one day. Free. TireRack.com ships to independent, recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Touchdown! Touchdown! 